Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm Nina. And you're listening to Slice Slice of Murder. Murder. Hello. This is episode 27. We're almost to episode 30. Yay! I feel like that doesn't sound like that much, but then like it's like been like 27 weeks. More yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. It's almost a year, not quite a year, but I don't know the math. Eight months? Yeah. No? A, week, a year is 52 weeks. So 27 is half a year? So six months. Yeah. But that's still pretty a long time. It just sounds like a short, I don't know, it just sounds like a short, it's like a small amount of episodes, but I feel like it's actually a pretty long time. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Quiz them on like, how many days are in a week? Five. No. How many days are in a year? How many months are in a year? I'm like, you need to know this. Yeah. It's just been a long day. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. All right, well, um, there's no treats today, but we'll get started with our rose and our thorns. So my rose was that we went to San Diego this weekend, and we went to the San Diego Safari Park, and that was really fun, and I'd say that was my highlight. Yeah, it was so fun. If you ever are in San Diego, I definitely recommend either the Safari Park or the zoo. Mm -hmm. I think they're both super fun. Yeah. The Safari just has more land and yeah more think, space for the yeah. animals to roam around yeah. and they have like safari options for you to purchase yeah we did not do those but what we did was still like really fun yeah so it was really fun I think that was my rose yeah that's also my rose it's just the weekend overall um being in San Diego and then I feel like we don't really hang out like as much as you would think like being roommates we don't hang out as much like yeah so it was really fun to just like be in the same space and just like be yeah. weird, weird together <laughs> yeah especially like on the weekends like I feel like a lot of people like do their own stuff on the weekends you mm-hmm. know like some of us go home or some of us hang out with like other people so yeah. it was nice to just do like a weekend just like just us mm-hmm. like just the five of us um and then my thorn was that if you are following Taylor Swift's tour <laughs> um she just sang one of my favorite songs as her secret or her surprise song which is you're on your own kid and that was my thorn because that probably means she's not going to sing it on a tour or on a date that I go to. And that makes me want to die. <laughs> I know. You should have seen our reaction to her singing the song. We were literally we were screaming. screaming. <laughs> and our roommates are like, like, what the heck? She started singing it and we were like in, in hysterics. I almost cried. Because like the whole thing of... Like, her surprise songs is, like, she's probably not... She's not going to sing them more than once. I mean, Midnight's, like, her songs off her newest album, she said she could. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, still... I mean, she's not going to sing it three times. Like, she'll maybe sing it again, but I don't think she'll sing it, like, three times, you know? So... Yeah, you should have your students do the probability of, oh. like, what are the odds that Taylor Swift's going to sing this song again? Maybe I will, like, actually. Yeah. I think that would be a funny thing to do. <laughs> maybe I'm going to change my, my lesson tomorrow. Because it could be, like, oh, Taylor Swift has, like, this many songs whatever yeah there's 13 songs on midnight's like what's the probability that she's gonna sing That'd okay be funny to do i'll do that that'll be funny okay so yeah that was my thorn because that was terrible 
Yeah, that was one of my thorns. But the thorn <laughs> that I was going to say was that today I had to talk about special right triangles for, like, five of my classes, and it was just torture. I felt like I was torturing the kids. They did not want to learn about special right triangles. I don't even know what a special right triangle is. Neither do so. they, honestly, after <laughs> having a whole period of it. Yeah. Yeah, it was just exhausting to teach. Like, there's always that one topic mm-hmm. that teachers have that's just super difficult to yeah. teach. So that's that one for and me. And it's just, like, hard to understand. Like, if you don't, I don't know. It's, like, there's no easy way to explain it. It's just, yeah. like, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't get it, then you don't get it. Yeah, so we're going to keep doing that this whole week. So lucky me. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> and lucky them. Yeah. All right. Um, so today is actually the first part of a two-part episode. Um, so today we'll go over kind of like the first part of the case and then next week we'll go over the second part of the case, go into kind of like the investigation. I will give you kind of a hint is it is unsolved. So like there's no trial or anything, but we'll go through, um, some theories of like what they think happened. We'll touch on a few of those today as well, but basically today's going to be like the first half of the case. Tomorrow's going to be the second half of the case. Um, because it spanned about like three years in total, Mm-hmm. these events that were part of it. So today will be like the first year and a half, and then next week will be the second year and a half. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. So I'll give you a quick synopsis. Um, this episode is about the Colonial Parkway murders. So the Colonial Parkway murders was a series of unsolved homicides that occurred between 1986 and 1989 along the Colonial Parkway, which is a scenic roadway that runs from Yorktown to Jamestown, Virginia. Uh, The murders involved the deaths of eight people, including four couples, who were all found in or near their vehicles along the parkway or in nearby areas. Despite a massive investigation and numerous suspects, the case remains unsolved, and the killer or killers have never been identified. The case has received national attention and has been the subject of several books, documentaries, and television shows. Wow, two couples, you said? Four couples. So they were all killed in, like, together. That's which is insane. really strange and yeah. we'll like talk about like what why people kind of think could have led to that because i mean if you know there, there's like a lot of theories about why people think it's all been in couples or how somebody was even able to take down so mm-hmm. many couples you know because if it's just one person how were they able to subdue two people things like that like yeah. we'll talk about things like that um but it's called the colonial parkway murders because it's like it's named for its location so this Parkway is, like, it's a a very long, it's very pretty um, between these two places in Virginia. It goes through a lot of historic sites. Um, But parts of it are kind of known to, I guess, be a place for people to go when they don't really want anybody else to see them. Um, So whether that's, like, a place that you go to hook up, like, or parts of it are known for, like, some, like, low-level drug dealing. It's just, it's kind of out of the way. So it's, like, it's definitely a place that you go when you don't want to be seen, mm-hmm. necessarily. Yeah. Um, so people think that that's why maybe whoever was doing this was, like, targeting that specific area because there was not a lot of surveillance there. There was not a lot of lights there. It was just, like, a pretty secluded area, um, even though it was a parkway. And so it, was, it would be a little bit easier for somebody to get away with doing something in that area rather than something somewhere that was more well-lit or mm-hmm. more, I guess populated with other people at that time yeah Yeah. that makes sense so um we're gonna get right into 
the first event in this case when the first two victims were found. So on October 12, 1986, park rangers were called to report a car accident of a 1980 white Honda Civic. Um, Now, I know you can't picture that in your brain because... Jessica has car blindness. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I have face blindness. Okay, and car blindness. I know some cars, like a Honda Civic, I know, but okay. not from that year. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty similar. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the park rangers went to this place where the accident was reported, and they found that it wasn't just a car accident. It was actually something a lot more serious than that. The location was on a steep embankment over a river, so it was, like, off the road. Somebody had called in and was like, there's a car off the road um but it was like all the way off the road and it had actually seemed to slide off the road and was like hanging over the river so almost hanging over the river um so there was no other cars it was just this one car Mm -hmm. and the only reason it hadn't fallen into the river is because it was like stopped by some bushes Mm. but it was like very weird like the park rangers were kind of like okay well is did this car just slide off the road is is somebody inside it hurt like Mm -hmm. were they asleep at the wheel did something happen because um, when they heard, like, a car accident, I think a lot of people think, like, oh, two cars crashed into each other, you know? But this was just one car yeah, alone. usually. Yeah. So they were worried about the people inside the car because it just seemed like, obviously, whoever had, if this car had spun off the road, the people inside were evidently in some kind of distress. Um, so they smashed the back window to gain entry into the car, and inside they found the bodies of two women. However, these women had clearly not been killed by a car crash or even by the fall down the embankment uh, because their injuries were clearly dealt by somebody else. Also, both women were found somewhere other than the front seat, so it wasn't like they um, passed away like by a by crash and like crash. spun down. Um, they were both placed somewhere other than the front seat, so mm-hmm. they had been moved after or before their death. Yeah. Um, one was found in the trunk of the car and one was found in the back seat of the car. And both women, women had large wounds across their neck, which the park rangers immediately assumed they had clearly died from. Like it was very bloody. Mm -hmm. It was a very traumatic wound. So it was just immediately evident to the park rangers that this was not just a car accident. This was something much worse. So immediately which i think was a good call on their part they immediately called the fbi they're like this whatever police force we have is not like really trained to deal with this right now um so we're just going to call the fbi and i think that was good because i feel like in a lot of cases like for whatever reason i think forces of police or forces that are on a case like don't really want to hand it off to somebody else because they want to be the ones to solve it and if it's like if this is something getting national attention they want to be yeah. on the news and like be like, oh, look at this police force who solved this thing. No, but, I'm glad that they did do that. Yeah. yeah or in a, a lot of cases, it takes longer for them to move mm-hmm. it on. Then it's like, it's harder for them to find out who it was. Right. So um, but hopefully yeah. it helped in some way, even though it's unsolved. Yeah. But they immediately called them, which yeah. was good. Um, so the FBI arrived pretty quickly. They took photos and they pulled the car back up to the road. So they started to search the car, and inside the car, they found IDs for both women. Uh, they were named Kathleen Thomas and Rebecca Dowski, and Kathleen's wallet was still in the car. And this becomes a trend, this wallet thing becomes a trend that we see in other murders later on. 
So keep that in mind. That, that the wallet, wallet was, in was in the car. The car. Nothing was missing from it. It was just out, like, in the open in the car. Okay. So I'm going to go into who uh, Kathleen Thomas and Rebecca Dowski were. Um, so Kathleen Thomas was born on July 29th, 1959, to an Irish Catholic family in Massachusetts. After high school, she enrolls in the Naval Academy, and she was actually the second class ever of women to be allowed to attend the Naval Academy. So she was part of like that second graduating class of women. Um, and she and her dad and her brother were actually all three members of the Naval Academy. So after you graduate the Naval Academy, you sign on. Like They give you free tuition or whatever, but in return for that, you have to sign on mm-hmm. for five years of active duty. Yeah. So she spent her five years of active duty in Norfolk, Virginia, and after her five years was up, like, she really enjoyed working in the Navy, and she really enjoyed, like, what she did, but she left the military because she knew her success was limited. Like, she couldn't really go any farther than she had already gone because she was a woman, and mm-hmm. at that time, they weren't really allowing a lot of the same opportunities to women as they were to men, so she knew that she really only had a certain level that her career could take. Um, So she left, and she began a career as a stockbroker in Virginia Beach. Mm -hmm. Um, And apparently she really liked this job. Like, she really was, like, very good at it. Like, she found a lot of success. I mean, it's a little bit weird going, like, it's a weird 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 transition, transition. but apparently she was, like, very good at it. Like, she was really talented at being a stockbroker also. Oh, good. We need (laughs) stockbrokers. So Rebecca Thomas, uh, also known as Becky, was born in 1965 in Poughkeepsie, New York, she graduated high school from the American School of Paris, so she traveled with her family a lot, and I think because of her dad's job, they were like stationed in Paris for her high school years. So she graduated from high school abroad, and she was described as her, by her brother as being very loving, but like really tough. So he was like, she was one of the most loving people I knew, but like she definitely had it in her to be like really tough, like mm-hmm. when she needed to be. Um, and she originally attended Dickinson College in Pennsylvania, and she was an athlete, she played softball. But she ended up transferring to William and Mary. So the two women met through their mutual friend group. Um, Kathleen was, I think, about like six years older than Becky, but they had some mutual friends, uh, including Kathleen's past partner. And so that's how they actually met, like through her past partner. Mm -hmm. Um, And they quickly realized they were interested in each other as more than friends, and they began dating. But I think that their friend, like, her past, Kathleen's past partner, like, kind of wanted to set them up. So, originally, I was like, oh, my God, like, that's kind of awkward. Like, you know, your ex-girlfriend, like, sets you up with, or, like, it's like, oh, you should meet this girl and be friends with her, and then you start dating. But I think that was, like, her intention, you know, like, she wanted her to. Yeah, she was like, oh, look at this, like, nice girl, like, that. It was not, they were not in a relationship, like, when they met. It was, like, Kathleen and this girl dated, and then they broke up. They remained friends, and then this girl was like, "Oh, I have somebody new for oh, you to meet." Okay. You know, so I was like, "Wait, yeah." <laughs> so um, Kathleen's family was very accepting of her having a girlfriend, but Becky's family was like, a little bit more hesitant to accept her relationship. Mm-hmm. She had previously been in a relationship with a guy, so her family was just a little bit more wary of her being in a relationship yeah. with Kathleen. Yeah. So that's just a little bit about them. Um, they were really close. They hung out a lot. Um, they would see each other almost every weekend. They didn't live in the same place. Like Kathleen went, or uh, Becky went to William and Mary, 
and then Kathleen was in Virginia Beach, but it's, they're not that far apart, so, like, they would drive to see each other on the weekends, but uh, because at this time a lot of people didn't really accept people who were in gay or lesbian relationships, they often had to meet in places that were a little bit less visible. Mm. Um, so when they would go out, they might go out to dinner, but a lot of times they would go to places that they wouldn't really be seen by anybody. And like I was saying before, this parkway was very secluded. It was kind of known as like a lover's lane. Like people would go there to hook up mm-hmm. when they didn't want anybody seeing them. So that people think that's why they might have yeah. been there because they didn't want anybody to see them. Mm-hmm. They just didn't want to like deal with like the hate or I guess the judgment of other people. So they went to this place yeah. on this night. That makes sense. Yeah. So the FBI continued to search the car, um, and it was very messy, so it was really difficult for them to figure out if, like, the mess was made by the killer, like, if it was clues, the way that these things were strewn about, or if it was already messy. So it was really, like, difficult. They, like, had no idea if this car was, like, already this messy, or if this was something that the killer had done to misplace items. (laughs) That's kind of funny, because I don't know. I feel like most of the time people's cars are messy. I know. And they're like, like, imagine your car ending up in like a crime scene investigation. They're like, why is this must have been like somebody else? Like, this I know. This not be how messy your car is. I know. And they're like, no, my car like, is that not That is actually messy. how messy my car is. Yeah. So they're like, oh, well, I wonder if it's like they were like trying to find something. Like I wonder if they're like pulling everything out of the yeah. thing, things to find something. But they weren't really able to determine one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did find something that they thought was really important. Um, so the FBI found that the women were covered, like their clothes, their hair, their everything was soaked in diesel fuel. Not gasoline, like diesel fuel. Diesel like, you know, fuel. like, yeah, like, you know, like the green handle at like the gas station. Yes. It's like that. Like, it's like not the regular gasoline. Mm. It's like for those like specific things that you fill yes. up with diesel. Um, and matches were found inside the car. And it was clear that the killer had like used the matches. So they were lit. They were used. Um, so they had attempted to cover up, I guess, something, either the bodies or the car, by trying to light this thing on fire. Um, but diesel fuel doesn't ignite like gasoline does. So, like, it's a lot harder for you to light ga- diesel fuel on fire than mm-hmm. it is to light gasoline on fire. Like, if you That's have, yeah, like, if you have gasoline, if you light it, like, it goes up, like, yeah, immediately. immediately. But apparently it's, like, a lot harder to light diesel fuel on fire wow, i don't know I did why not know that. i don't know the science like, i obviously did it. not know that either whatever yeah. this was um so that's also something that the police were like as touch on as well like oh why does this person not know that like diesel fuel doesn't like light up like mm-hmm. you would think if this was somebody who was planning for this or somebody who almost like knew what they were doing to try and cover up something like this like it would have been they they like they would have known that like it almost it to them it seems like this was like maybe all that they had in the moment or they freaked out and this was all that was available to them and they tried to cover it up but like weren't able to mm-hmm. you know so that was really interesting to them like it was just they were like yeah do you think that they I'm just thinking is it harder to buy gasoline than diesel I'm like why didn't they I just get so. gasoline I know that's and that's kind of like the question that the police and like the fbi had as well like they really didn't know and i think something that they kind of came up with was like maybe this was like this person had this on them 
and they didn't want to leave the crime scene to go get gasoline. Like, mm. they brought it along with them. They thought it was yeah. going to work, and then it didn't work. Um, and so they, that's how they tried to hide it originally. And, you know, it just ended up not working. Okay. Yeah. So I think they they weren't really able to, like, determine why this had happened, mm-hmm. but they just they thought it was, like, very interesting. That yeah, that is. They had chosen this specific thing. So... They took the two women for autopsy, um, and during the autopsy, technicians found that the woman had been deceased for at least 24 hours before they had been discovered. So this car had been down this embankment for, like, a full day, and nobody had kind of noticed it. I'm surprised. Like, I know you said it's hidden, but, like, don't other couples go? Yeah, and I'm, like, I was surprised, too, because it's, like, I think it's, like, I mean, it's definitely more of, a, like, a less populated place, but it's not like nobody goes there. Yeah. Like, people are driving down this thing during the day. Like, mm-hmm. I think at, like, night, it's more of, like, a, I don't know, That's like, secluded so area to be. But I think during the day, it's, like, it's, like, a normal road. Like, <laughs> like you can drive down this mm-hmm. road to, like, go places, you know? Yeah. So, Maybe they thought, like, people are parked there. Yeah. But it's, like, interesting. I'm, like, during the day, like, I, I just feel like... Somebody had to have mm-hmm. seen that and just not reported it, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they found that they had been deceased for at least 24 hours, maybe longer, but they're really only able to calculate, like, up to 24 hours. You know, like, they're like, oh, well, mm-hmm. you know, it's been at, at least, least 24 hours, but maybe longer. Um, and they found that the women both had many bruises on them, uh, but only Kathleen seemed to have one defensive wound on her hand. So... Mm-hmm. Only Kathleen had a defensive wound on her hand, like, a very small one in between her fingers. It was, like, almost like a cut. Like, she had tried to, like, if somebody had a knife and Mm -hmm. she tried to, like, hit it out of their hand. Or tried to, if they were attacking her, like, tried to, like, protect herself with Mm. it. Um, There was no evidence of sexual assault. The woman had both been strangled and then been attacked by the killer when he or she cut their throats. Mm. So they only found one clue. Um, which was that they found a small piece of plastic rope in Kathleen's hair. Um, now, they thought this was pretty odd, like this autopsy, because, like I said, there was two of them. So it seems, like, to them, they were asking the question, if one of them was being attacked, why does the other one not have more defensive wounds on her body? Because there are two people in this car, if there was only one person attacking them, which they really didn't know at this point, but... I think many people gravitate towards, like, one killer before they kind of, like, assume, yeah, like, there has to be two or three or whatever. Um, You know, how could one person take down both of these women without them having more defensive Mm -hmm. wounds? Like, how is this possible? Yeah, unless it's somebody that they knew. Right. That's the only thing I can think of. Or if they just caught them off guard. Right. So we'll get into those theories. Yeah. (laughs) But that's exactly the question they were asking themselves. And that's exactly the conclusion that they kind of drew as well. Well, it obviously could not have been kind of like an attack by just a random person. They had to have, I guess, gained their trust in some way. Because otherwise there would be, like, if you just got run up on by somebody, like, these are two healthy girls, Mm -hmm. you know, it seems to them that they would have had more defensive wounds yeah it reminds me of the lady of the dunes ones right mm-hmm. where she had no defensive wounds or anything yeah so they also assume like assumed mm-hmm. it was somebody that she knew right so they were kind of asking the same questions um but 
They were beginning beginning to look for clues on Kathy and Becky's last steps. They just wanted to know where they had been before this had happened. They wanted to know the timeline to kind of try and pin down like a, I guess, time span where this could have happened to question people who might have been in the area to just see if anybody knew anything, things like that. So the two young women were last seen together on the evening of Thursday, October 9th at a computer lab with some friends at the William and Mary campus. Um, and then this was the, this was like a long weekend. Um, so Rebecca was planning on driving home over the long weekend. So she was planning on driving back to where her family was living at the time. Um, and she was also planning on driving to Pennsylvania to visit to, with her, her old college friends. Like I said, she transferred from Dickinson. So she was going to go, travel to Pennsylvania to Dickinson, meet up with some friends and then drive home to New York to see her family. Mm-hmm. Um, but she hadn't made any firm plans. So she hadn't like confirmed with anybody when she was going to get there. She was just like kind of thinking about doing this. She hadn't even like confirmed with her family that she was like going to come on a specific day. Like it was just very up in the air. Yeah. So she hoped to head out like on Friday, but she had packed her car beforehand, but she was, like, kind of, like, okay, well, I'll just leave whenever mm-hmm. I leave. Like, whenever I'm done, I'll leave. But Yeah, she just, like, wasn't stressed, right. it seems like. She was taking her time. Right, which is, you know, good for her that she's yeah. not stressed, but also bad for, like, the investigation because she was never reported missing. And so that was, like, a big point of confusion mm-hmm. um, because they weren't able to, like, kind of locate a last, I guess, time where she should have been seen. And because she was, like, so chill about this, like, they just really weren't able to pin down, you know, a time where she should have been located by. So none of her family and friends, like, expected to see her at any given time that weekend. Like like I said, Mm -hmm. so, like, they weren't, like, oh, she should have been here, too, and she's not here. Like, let me call her. Let me try and figure out whatever, where she might be, and then file a missing persons report. So, like... Maybe if something had been done earlier, maybe if they had found her earlier, they could have found more evidence or they Mm -hmm. could have found more people that were in the area. Things like that. Yeah. But they didn't. So the investigators um, talked to a couple of their friends and family. um, And over the next couple of days, they figured out that neither of the two women had been seen or heard by any of them. So they were asking their friends and family, did you talk to Kathy and Becky on um, Saturday, did you talk to Kathy and Becky on Sunday? No, no, no. Like, we haven't talked, we didn't talk to them on any of those days. Um, but because no one had any reason to suspect anything was wrong, no missing report was ever filed. So the investigators believed that the two women died the last night that they were seen, which was Thursday night. Um, however, like we were saying, they were stuck on a question of how were these two women who were both healthy like Kathy had been in the Navy, she had obviously been yeah she through must have been like pretty fit right like all of the training that you have to do at the Naval Academy like you have to work out every day like you yeah. have to be very in shape to be even like part of that academy like and obviously this was a couple years later but still like you would think that she is still in mm-hmm. good yeah, shape, shape right um, Becky was a athletic softball player like she again she was not like she was in bad shape you know 
So they were kind of asking the question, well, how were these two women, like, accosted by somebody who took down both of them? Mm -hmm. And they were also kind of stuck on the question, why? Because, like I said, her wallet was found in the car. Nothing was taken from it. Yeah, so it wasn't like they wanted valuables or anything. It seemed more personal. Right. Like, nothing from the car, as far as they could tell, were taken. No jewelry, nothing. Um, They were also not sexually assaulted, so it wasn't like somebody attacked them for the purpose of raping them. It was, it did seem to be more personal. So many theories point towards this killing being a hate crime by somebody who either saw Becky and Kathy or knew about their relationship and were attacking them based on their lesbian relationship. Um, So investigators like kind of caught on this point and they were like, okay, well let's look for people in our, their lives that could have been responsible for this. So um, they first, as you kind of have to do, is, like, looking towards the past partners. So they checked out, like, their exes, but none of them really panned out. So Kathy's ex was determined as non-suspicious. Like, this was the girl that introduced them at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So they were kind of like, well, like, if you were jealous enough of them to murder both of them, like, why would you introduce them in the first place? You know, like, it, they were just like, okay, well, this is not going to work. Like, that's not an option. And Becky's ex, she was saying, um, uh, ex-boyfriend, he had an alibi. So he was like two hours away in Washington, D.C. at this point. Mm. So they were like, okay, well, it can't be any of them. Maybe it's not somebody close to them that knew about their relationship. Like, maybe it's somebody that saw them. Or maybe it's somebody that, like, you know, kind of knew them from afar and whatever, targeted them. So the FBI recruited, this was like... A very new division at this point but this is the division that like kind of profiles people so like when you talk when like they talk about like to the fbi and the fbi is like ask people to profile these killers and they're like oh well we think this guy like you know like they come up with these like crazy things that, that are like honestly a lot of the times they're right you know like they like, they think this guy's super religious and we think this guy like has this, this you know yeah <laughs> this was like a new unit at this point so this had like just been created So it's called the Behavioral Analysis Unit, and they recruited them to help profile the killer. So this unit found that the rope in Kathleen's hair, like, matched nautical rope. So it could have been used on a boat or on a ship. Mm -hmm. Like, it had the same sort of fibers. They weren't for sure, but they were like, okay, well, a lot of ships or boats or fishing vehicles, whatever, use this kind of rope. Now, it's, like, not a direct link. It's not like this rope is only used on boats, but... They just thought it was interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. yeah if, did they look into, like, if anyone around them, like, sailed or anything like that? Um, Kind of, mm-hmm. yes. Um, And there's more things that kind of, like, okay. point to it being someone. somebody on a boat. So they also found that many boats actually run on diesel fuel. So instead <gasps> of gasoline, oh like, it was, like, boats run on diesel fuel. Um, And finally, they said that the knife... It had to have been sharp enough. Like, they they were analyzing the cuts found on both the women. They found that this knife was sharp enough to possibly be, like, a fillet knife, which is found on many fishing vehicles to, whatever, cut up fish, you know? Yeah, I feel like that's too many coincidences. Right. To, to not. Like, not yeah. be. Or, like, know somebody maybe that has both. Mm-hmm. So, the authorities obviously look for people of interest in the area who owned or worked on boats. Mm-hmm. So, maybe people in the area that knew Becky or Kathy that had a boat. Maybe people who had been convicted or accused of a crime before that owned or worked on a boat. But nothing happened. Um, and 
they couldn't find anybody. Like, literally nobody panned out. Nothing. Nobody around them? Um, like, nothing at all ever came up about it. Wow. So, they began to suspect something different, which is kind of what we were talking about earlier, that the killer might have been a trusted figure. Um, it would have been somebody that the girls wouldn't fight back against until it was too late, because they were like, okay, well, if you are approached by somebody that you don't know, you would be on guard, like extreme guard, Mm -hmm. unless you trusted them. So they started thinking about, well, if you're in a car at night, um, who is the only person that you might roll down your window for? Mm -hmm. Who is the only person that you might open your door for? Who's the only person that you might get out of your car for? And people began to say, well, a police officer. That's the Mm -hmm. only person that really makes sense that if you were in a car at night, that's the only person you would trust. Because if somebody random came up to the car, you know. No, you're not rolling Right. Even if it was somebody that you might have known, like, I think people would still be very suspicious of, like, why is this guy, like, approaching me? Like, you know, like, maybe, like... Unless it was somebody you knew super, super well. Like, it was, mm-hmm. like, your bestie. But, like, in in a lot of cases, like, the only person you would kind of, like, trust to not hurt you would be, like, an authority figure, a police officer. Yeah. Somebody like that. So, they started to question, like, authority figures. They started to question police officers. Um, but, again, their leads got them nowhere. And suspect after suspect was ruled out due to either alibis or polygraph tests. Mm. So they, like, questioned a couple people, but they either all had alibis or they were able to pass polygraph tests. They were able to kind of, like, provide evidence that they were not involved in it. Wow. Bummer. Right. So people kind of were like, okay, well, maybe it's not a police officer, but maybe it's somebody that dresses like one. Maybe it's somebody that has a fake badge or whatever. But it's, like, that is so hard to find. Like, that you have no, like, kind how of leads to, know? like, figure out who that person might be or, like, how could you could, like, ever kind of find yeah. that person. So that's where, like, that, I guess, little portion of that case ended. They were not able to find any leads. They were not able to find anybody that it could possibly be. And person after person just kept on turning up as, like, not suspicious. That's so frustrating. Right. So it was... Like a standstill. So months passed and no further evidence was found. Um, however, on September 20th, 1987, another incident would occur that tied the first two women to a string of murders on this parkway. Uh, Robin Edwards and David Nobling were the second pair of victims that are tied to the parkway killer. So again, another couple. Um, this is a theme that continues throughout the entire thing. Um, now... This couple is interesting because if we were talking about last time, maybe Kathy and Becky being the victims of a hate crime, this is a heterosexual couple. Hmm, so, that's so interesting. It seems as though maybe they weren't the victim of a hate crime. Maybe they were targeted for that reason, but it's not like this person had it. Like, this, that was not their target, I, like, across the whole thing, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, you know? Like, it was not, they were not randomly killed as a hate crime, it they were able to link these two cases together and, like, figure out it was more the work of a serial killer. Mm. Yeah. So I'll go into, like, the background of who these people were. David Nobling was a 20-year-old from Hampton, Virginia, and his parents divorced when he was really young. And because of this, David seemed to express a lot of issues early on in his life, 
and was often considered a, quote, problem child by his teachers and other people oh, that no. he encountered. So if you're a teacher, I feel like you can kind of make your own assumptions and deduce what that means. <laughs> um, he was actually sent to military school during his teenage years, so, like, he was not, like... Like, I don't know if he was kicked out of school or his parents pulled him out of regular school, but he was sent to military school, like, when he was a teenager. Um, and according to his father, this seemed to straighten him out. So he was, like, whatever, got a little bit more structure. So that's sometimes what people need, you know? Yeah. It's just, like, more they don't structure. need to be, like, like running around doing whatever they want. Like, sometimes people thrive under that structure, you mm-hmm. know? And, like, they really do well under that kind of stuff. So it apparently helped him, but... I just thought that was interesting. Um, And he left school at the age of 17, and he began working for his dad's landscaping business. Um, And a year or two later, he began uh, working at a water purification system, like, plant as, like, a salesman. And so people are finally kind of like, okay, well, now he's, like, he's not in military school. He's not working for his dad. Like, he's finally getting, going off and, like, becoming his, like, own person. So, like, it took a while, but, like, he's growing up. Like, he's finally, whatever, getting himself straightened out. Yeah, sometimes it takes a few years, maybe right. five, right. to mature right. and grow up. So, it's okay. Like, they were, like, he's preparing, you know, to be an adult. Um, which was a good, good timing because David had an on-again, off-again girlfriend, and he had just gotten her pregnant. So oh, no. So, he had to be, whatever, he had to... Yeah, buck up and make some money um but they were like it was good like I, I think it motivated him you know he had to be he was like ready to be a father and he was making money and whatever so they were like he was actually getting straightened out you know life. sometimes that helps people to mature like it's yeah. like a wake-up call it's like you're forced like you're gonna forced kind of forced to be yeah whatever to grow up. a mature individual because now you have a kid mm-hmm. um so, yeah, I, I do think that people said it was kind of helping him start to grow up. Now, as we'll learn in just a couple minutes, he was not really all the way there yet. Okay. So, he did like to spend his free time working on things, and he loved his black pickup truck. So, he was, an- <laughs> what were we saying about car guys the other time? Like, he was a big car guy, like, big car guy. So he was a Ford, he had a Ford Ranger and his parents were like, oh, like he loved this thing. This was like his pride and joy. Like he just like really liked to like take it apart and put it back together and like whatever, redo it. Like, you know, those people that like just like redo their cars and like personalize them. Like that was him with this like truck. My brother does that. Yeah. So that was like him with his truck. Like it was just like, it was a hobby that he had that he like spent his free time working on it, which whatever. That's like, yeah, it's like your thing. It's not bothering anyone else. No. So it was good. Whatever. So now we're going to move on to Robin Edwards. So just a reminder, David is 20 years old. Robin Edwards was a 14-year-old from Newport News. So I'm sure you can kind of guess where this is going. Oh. Um, Like David, she was experiencing a lot of behavioral difficulties. So Robin was described as stubborn and headstrong, and she did have a history of running away. So she didn't, like, really get along with her parents, um, and so she would run away for them, like, from them a couple times. Um, and she had run away twice that year in 1987. So when this thing occurred, she had run away before two times. Um, I mean, nothing like ever, I I don't think she ever ran away for like an extended period of time. Like it wasn't like she was gone for months. It was like she had 
been gone for like a week and then for like a day like it was like not like a crazy amount of time that she was gone but but still right. I feel like your family's gonna worry about you yes and then it also plays in later when her mom tries to report this to the police and they're like well didn't she run away two times mm-hmm. ago like two yeah, times so this year already so run away right so she um she was definitely somebody that had a lot going on emotionally because she really found like I I think she found herself in trouble quite a lot um so she also tended I think to gravitate towards people that were abusive towards her in some way or were using her for sex Mm. So she had a 21-year-old, quote, boyfriend when she was 11 years old, which is like, I, like quotes for boyfriends. Oh, like, that's God. how they describe it, but it's like, it's clear, it's like, no, it's not a boyfriend. Like, somebody's been grooming you, you know, like, somebody's yeah. been abusing you. Like, that's not like a boyfriend, but like, she was entangled in that for a while, which is like, 11 is like a baby. Like, 11 is so young. That's like a fifth grader. Yeah. A sixth grader. Oh, my God. Right? So... That was something that she had dealt with really early on. Like, it just, I don't know. It's just, like, very clear that she had, in some way, been sexually abused. Yeah. Right? So, so I think that kind of contributed to a lot of the things that she dealt with and then a lot of the decisions she made in life, I think, were kind of stemming from that trauma that she had undergone. Yeah. Um, but a couple months before her murder, um, Robin was... They said that her parents said she'd been, like, working on trying to make herself, like, better, more focused. She was trying to, like, just get her life on track a little bit more. Especially, like, in school, they were like, oh, she's trying to, like, engage herself a little bit more. Mm-hmm. She's just trying to, like, make sure she's, I guess, caught up with everything and, you know, just improving in that. that. Yeah, in that area. So, she had been, like, trying, I think, her best to, like come back from some of the things that she had dealt with before, but obviously it's really hard to come back from things like that. Yeah, I'm And it's sure. not, like, a linear path. Like, a heal- your healing is not a linear path. So she did make, I think, some choices that were some bumps in the road, but overall, in the past few months before she disappeared and was murdered, like, overall, they said she was doing good. There were mm-hmm. some things that went a little wrong. You know, she wasn't, like... Yeah on the best relationships or the best terms with her parents, but overall she was Yeah, she was, she was improving, doing good. trying to change, it seems like. Right. So her grades started to improve. She had started to express an intense interest in the French language, and she wanted to become an exchange student when she got to high school. So she wanted to, like, go on an exchange mm. trip to Oh, France. that's so cute. Yeah. So Robin and David actually met through, like, a long string of coincidences, so on the night of her last sighting, Robin had actually been out on a date with David's younger cousin named Jason. And Jason was more, like, her age. Yeah. So they were, like, the same age. And they were on a date mm-hmm. together. Um, but that night was raining, so David was kind of, like, voluntold. Like, do you, ever, do you use that, like... Voluntold. Vol- it's like, he's like, oh, da-. like, you know, and, like, you're, like, volunteered to do something, but it's, like, it's you're not really volunteered to, volunteered to do something. Yeah, like, when I tell my students, you're doing this problem on the yeah, board. <laughs> right. So he was voluntold to drive Jason and Robin to the movie theaters. Yeah. And, like I said, it was raining. Now, J- David had this truck, this, like, Ford pickup truck. Now, if you think about a Ford pickup truck, it only has one seat in the front, besides the driver's seat, and then it has that big 
flatbed in the back that whatever people can ride yeah. on, I guess. So it was raining. So um, Jason was like trying to be like a nice day and was like, okay, Robin, like you can sit in the front of the car and I'll sit in this back of the car, like with the rain. <laughs> but so, you know, yeah, look at Jason nice being a gentleman. Know. But um, in meanwhile, this, right in this car, Robin and David were talking like on their ride to the movie theater. Um, when they got to the theater, the movie was sold out. So they went to the arcade. I guess that was like nearby instead. Mm-hmm. And Jason actually said that Robin and David never talked in the arcade, so they never, like, really interacted when they were in the arcade. But they must have, he must have done, like, said something in the car to express interest in her. Mm-hmm. Because um, he dropped Robin off at her home at around 11 p.m., but it's believed that they made plans to kind of meet up later that night. Um, so Robin had made it home before curfew, but David must have asked her to sneak out or asked her to meet up with her, with him later that night. Yeah. Um, which is like, you're 20 oh years God. old. Like. That's sick. I mean, and like. And then it's your cousin. Right. Like, 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 you're 20 years old. Like, you don't need to be, like, moving out on your cousin's girlfriend. Yeah. Like, can like you there not... are plenty of women that age. Right. You can like, find someone. Right. Like, I, I don't know. But. I don't want to speak ill of somebody who has been murdered, but it's just, yeah, but it's like, just very iffy. Right. Like, it's like, you're 20 years old and you're interested in a 14-year-old girl, like, and people, yeah. whatever, love to claim, like, she acted older, she dressed older, but it's like, that's not an excuse. No. Like, she's 14 years old, so. It's like, it's one thing to say it's, like, one year, two year difference. Right. But, but 14, like, like, what do you even have in common with an 8th grader? Like, like, Nothing. No. I can tell you personally from firsthand experience, eighth graders, like, really, <laughs> I don't know what you could have been talking about with this eighth grader that really intrigued you that much. <laughs> I don't really yeah. know. Is know. this who, like, so she was pregnant? No. Oh, it's a, was it was her. Like, yeah. he already had and, the kid? Yeah. No, he did not have a kid yet. She, oh. His girlfriend, his on again, off again girlfriend was pregnant. was pregnant. Okay. I don't know if he was, like, dating her at the time. So, like I said, they broke up and got together a lot. I don't know if they were dating at the time, but yeah. So I'm like, okay. yeah, you're like one kid on the way now. Whatever yeah, you're, trying you're trying to, to yeah. Else. So this is why I said he didn't really fully, you know, oh, I guess yeah. reach his goal of like growing up. But mm-hmm. so anyway, um, Robin's mother Bonnie saw her around 11 p.m. when she got dropped off, um, and they went to bed because they were like, oh well, Robin's home. Whatever, she's home safe. Let's go to bed. Um, her father found the front door of their home open at 5.30 the following morning, and Robin was gone from her bedroom. So Robin's sister uh, later told police that Robin was, like, really excited for her to go to bed mm-hmm. that night. So that's how they kind of made the, like, I guess, connection. It's like, okay, well, probably she had been planning on sneaking out because she was, like, really excited. She's like, go to sleep, go to sleep. Like, <laughs> you know, like, she was probably excited. just waiting right. to sneak out. Right. So... Almost immediately, like, like I said, their dad found the front door of their home open at about 5.30, and, like, almost immediately at 7 a.m., Robin's mom reported her missing to the police. So, like, this woman acted quickly. This woman was like, this is not normal. She had a bad feeling that something Mm -hmm. was wrong. You know, she said that, well, she had run away before, but I just feel like this is different. Like, I don't know why, I just got a bad feeling about this specific instance. But the police officer refused to take her statement because, like I said, she had run away multiple times before this year, and they were kind of like, well, it's a weekend, like, she's probably with a friend Mm -hmm. over the weekend, like, 
you know, she's probably, she probably went out to a party last night, like, and she'll be home on Monday. Like, if she's not home by Monday, then you can call us. Yeah. But it's like, if you'd just taken her statement and done a search, you probably would have found something. And then who knows what, like, if there had been, we'll talk about later how there's some possible DNA evidence that could have been lost because of the time span Mm. of which it took. Like, there's so many things that you could have found that you didn't because you didn't want to, like, look for this girl. Like, she's 14. I don't, you know, like, even if she'd run away, like, shouldn't you go find missing people that have run away? Like, you shouldn't let them run away. I never got that. Like, I really never did. But like, yeah, she's a runaway. Okay, so can you (laughs) help me find her? Yeah. So, but, you know, they wouldn't take her statement. They, um, they kind of just, like, dismissed her. David's mom saw him after midnight that day. So he, I guess, dropped Robin back at home, and then he, he drove home himself. And she saw him, like, just after midnight. So that was the last time that she saw him. Mm-hmm. Now, he's, like, 20, you know? So I think when she saw him, he was, like, leaving to go back out. But it's mm-hmm. not like he had to, like, run away or, like, sneak out or anything, you know? No, like he's, he's like, kind 20. Of, like, he's grown. He's like, oh, I'm going to do this thing. And she's like, okay, like, whatever. Yeah. Um. So it's believed that he had left his home to pick up Robin, although nobody obviously really knows for sure. But they were found together, so evidence points towards the fact that they were together um and he never came back the next morning yeah it's just so crazy how this worked out perfectly perfectly for the serial killer right none of these people are telling yeah people where they're going because they don't want people to know obviously yeah. Yeah. i know so it's just frustrating yeah to think about them like they didn't even tell a friend or anything no no yeah so always tell your friends where you're going yeah or do like find my friends yeah because <laughs> then at least you can can search up your yeah. friends. I'm searching up Nina's I always, location I all always, the time. I always look at people's location. Yeah, like, is key. she at work right now? I just yes. want to know if they're where they're supposed to be, you know? <laughs> like I really sims. do. Yeah. <laughs> I really do. I do that, too. <laughs> okay, so, so we're all, we're never going missing. So if you want to give me your location, I'll, like, check up I'll on you every night. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Robin and David ended up going to a location known as Ragged Island, or at least they think they went to this location. This is where the car was found. Obviously, they don't know if maybe the car was moved or something like that. But they think they went to a location known as Ragged Island, which is about 20 miles away from the parkway. So it is off the parkway, but it's not, like, directly on. It's like an island, right? Okay. So um, on Monday morning, a deputy was driving by Ragged Island when he saw a black Ford pickup truck with its doors open radio on and windshield wipers on so he was like what the fuck like this is really weird Mm -hmm. like this truck is just like it has its doors wide open and the windshield wipers are going and the radio's on yeah so he went to go check it out and in the truck he found two pairs of shoes the keys were in the ignition and he found some pieces of clothing and a wallet so again this like wallet wallet. is like still like again like this wallet is 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 found Mm -hmm. Um, so they found that the truck was registered to David Nobling, and they reported the truck to David's mom, Judy, and she came to the scene and checked out the truck. Um, now they weren't treating this as like a criminal thing because it's like there was no evidence that yeah, there was, was no wrong. bodies it was like, yet. Right? No, no. So they were just like, okay, your kid's truck was found, like with its like whatever, yeah, like, its headlights on, it's going. Like, can you come check it out? Like, can you move it? Like, <laughs> I don't know. So David's mom. Um, went to go look at the truck, and you know, like like I said, his like whole passion, his hobby was like messing around with this truck. He like really liked to like take things apart, mm-hmm. put them back together, 
make it, I guess, a little bit more personalized or customized. And so he would like take apart like piece of the radio and stuff to like rewire it and figure out how it worked. And he had actually rewired the truck to be able to turn the radio on without having to turn your car to accessories mode. Oh. So this is like not really a thing. I, I mean, it is, but it's not, I think, as much of a thing in terms of like the key position that you have to turn into, like in cars today as it was back then. But you know when you turn your car on to have the radio on, but you don't turn the engine on? Yeah. It's like that. Okay. So he was able to figure out how to turn the radio on like without having to turn the, the key all on, the way right? to like the accessories mode. He was just able to turn the radio on without having to turn the key. Wow, to that that's position. so cool. That, like he was able to figure that out on his own. Yeah. So David's mom knew this, but when she checked the truck, the key was turned to accessories mode. So obviously whoever had put the key there, like, wasn't David because David would not have turned it to accessories mode because he had basically found a shortcut to turn this radio oh. on without turning it all the way to, like, this accessories mode. Yeah, it was found in. that's interesting. So David's mom was like, no, like, this is not my kid because my kid did this. Like, he put a shortcut to it and whatever. Like, he wouldn't have left it like this. But... The police was like, no, this is not anything suspicious. Like, what do you mean? I mean, yeah. from, like, a fir- first, first glance, <laughs> glance, they're probably like, what do you mean? Like, he was able to, like, rewire the car. Like, it's a normal thing to leave the radio on when you put it in a specific mm-hmm. key position. But she was like, no, like, this wasn't my, my kid. But they they were like, okay, um, it's not a criminal investigation. Like, move it. So she called David's dad to check out the truck as well. And, like, obviously, because this was not an active crime scene or anything, like, he was able to go right to the truck, look at it, look around it, things like that. So he looked around the truck, and he was, like, actually going through the water looking for clues, like, for anything else that he could find. Um, he, they couldn't figure anything out, so police ended up asking him to take this truck back to his house as it wasn't official evidence. Uh, so it's like, imagine how many things might have been, like, yeah, compromised like or, like, I guess like, erased by the people, like, looking in this truck because they weren't being careful with it, you know? Yeah, it's like, it is their car, but where is he? Right. You know? So, um, yeah. So it was just kind of, like, like, a, a yeah, weird no. situation. Yeah. But, like, like, how are you going to get off this? I don't know. That's just, like, a weird thing. Um, like, did they even look around initially? They did, and they were kind of, like, looking around the area, but they couldn't find anything. So, mm. like, no clothes, nothing. Yeah. So, Rangers did actually end up matching the girl's shoes in the car to the missing persons report of Robin Edwards. Mm -hmm. So, at this point, it was Monday morning. Her mom had come back into the station, was like, my kid's still not home. Can you please file a missing persons report? So, they took all the information down, whatever. They take down shoe size, etc. And so, when they found these shoes in the car, they called up her mom and they were like, well, do these shoes belong to your daughter? And she was able to confirm that, yes, these shoes do belong to my daughter. Mm. So now they knew that David and Robin had been together in that car. At first, police thought that, like, whoever owned, like, David and whoever was with them, but they didn't know that at the beginning, like, they thought that whoever, like, owned the truck and was with him were, like, off somewhere on the island or, like, skinny dipping, which, because they were, like, you know. Yeah, because they just left the car behind, or maybe they went, like, on a walk or a a hike. I don't know what's around there. Yeah. Um, but, like, then it's almost like, well, now hours and hours have passed. Are they going to be, like, swimming in the water for, like, hours and hours in September? Like, probably not. Yeah. Like, it's not that, it's not that nice out. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's not, like, it's, I don't think that's a very valid statement to make. So, 
As time dragged on and on and no one came back for the car, they were forced to kind of take a second look and look for something a little bit more sinister that may have happened. Mm. So they took the truck in as evidence and processed it for fingerprints. Um, They also began to do official searches of the island and surrounding areas to try and figure out any clues they could about the missing people. On Thursday, September 24th, a jogger was running running, um, across the banks of the river, and this jogger saw what seemed to be two piles of clothing along the banks of the river. However, as they got closer, they realized that these actually were the bodies of two people. So police arrived to the scene and determined that these were the bodies of Robin Edwards and David Knobling. Robin was found with her jeans unfastened and her shirt and her bra pulled up around her neck, and David was found wearing only pants. Now, this was in some ways similar, in some ways different, to the crime scene that was found earlier of um, Kathy and Becky. So, again, the reason it's is similar is because, again, this is another couple. This is two people that seem to be, again, David is 20 years old. It's, he seems to be in good health, and Robin is just a kid. But, like, again, it's two people, and if this is one person targeting them, it seems that they would stand more of a chance of it being two people. Now, it's unlike the other crime scene because instead of these two victims being strangled and then having their throats cut, um, Robin was and David were both shot. So Robin was shot once in her head and David was shot twice, once in his shoulder and once through the back of the head. Mm, interesting. And kind of, we were actually touching on this last week, or yeah, last week, that the families were only notified of their deaths through seeing them on the news. So, like, they weren't even told by the oh, police that they had God. found these kids. Like, they were, they, like, saw it on the news with, like, all the photos and everything. That's, like, common human decency. Yeah. To, so, like, like inform know, the families first. I don't know why you didn't do that. Like, yeah. But, like, I don't, it's just terrible that that's how they had to figure, yeah. figure it out. Um. So, the police began to look for clues or theories about how the two individuals had been killed they believe that david that robin was killed first and david has was killed second um and they believe this because his wounds seemed to suggest he had been killed while he was running away because it was like in the back of his shoulder in the back of the head so it seems like he was shot from behind um maybe running away from whoever was attacking robin um, during the autopsy, investigators found that Robin had had sex before she was killed. However, because they had been in the water for days at this point, it was impossible to determine whether it was with David or whether it was with whoever had killed her. Mm-hmm. So they weren't really able to figure out like if she had been sexually assaulted by this person who had yeah. killed her, or it's still rape if it's with David because well, it's, yeah. you know... 20 and 14 like so they just weren't able to figure out if it had been with david or with somebody Mm -hmm. else um and yeah like because of the time in the water any dna evidence like on her body was unusable so that's what i'm saying well like they had figured like if they had looked for this situation earlier if they had taken her mom seriously when she went to report on saturday like they didn't find them until thursday so it's a long time it is a long time like it there's that's so much evidence that i think could have been lost or so much things that could have been ruined because you didn't go and search for her on yeah. Saturday. Like, they, there might have been something that could have been used if you had went and searched for her and found this on Thursday. Or Saturday. Yeah. So, the autopsy technicians found that they had had food in their stomachs that neither of them had eaten with their families. So, they believe they stopped at a restaurant together. They're just kind of, like, tracing their past steps, like, their last mm-hmm. few steps until their murder. 
but no eyewitnesses have ever confirmed this. So, like, they haven't ever found anybody who said be, they like, saw oh, them I there? saw these two people together. Yeah. Mm. Like, they know they stopped somewhere because both of them were like, oh, they both found, I think it was like beans in their stomach, and both their families were like, we didn't eat that for dinner. Yeah. So, it's like they had to have gone somewhere else, but they've never been able to like track them down. So, again, police began to look for possible suspects. David's family actually said that David had been receiving death threats before he had been murdered. Oh. Um, but police were not able to form connections to, like, any one person that it could have been. That's scary. But, which is, like, weird. Like, and I don't know how serious they were. I don't know, how, like, if it was, I don't know, very, like, in-depth or if it was just somebody being, like, uh, like, watch out. Like, I'm going to get yeah. you, you know? But it is interesting, like, but they were never able to kind of confirm it. They were never able to kind of, like, connect it to anything hmm. serious. Um, but it's like, I wonder if that, that did have something to do with it. Yeah, you would think. But then again, it was at the same place, like, same location. Right. So it's like, it kind of pushes this to be a serial killer. Yeah. But at the same time, it could, it could be someone maybe that was... Like, oh, this person hasn't been caught for these crimes. Right. Like, I could do this the crime too. here. Well, like a copycat thing. Yeah. yeah. And it would almost be blamed on that, that other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they don't know. Um, they don't really, they weren't really able to connect this together. Um, and they also floated the theory that David and Robin had, like, taken a walk. So it's like they maybe they parked their car, they got out, and they took a walk. And they met somebody. Like, this area, like I said, is very secluded. So... They were like, oh, maybe somebody dangerous was, like, living around there. Maybe somebody dangerous mm. was, like, staying around there. Um, they met somebody by the edge of the water. But when you, like, really look into it, it, that theory kind of seems to be unlikely because it's, like, the police are saying that David and Robin were the ones that took off their shoes and took off parts of their clothing and, like, left them in the car. But it's, like, that night was, like, 40 degrees. Like, they're not going to take off their shoes and go walk by the water at, like, midnight. You know? Like... It just seems, like, very unlikely. The area around it was, like, super rocky. Like, it was not, like, a beautiful mm-hmm. beach to, like, walk oh. along. Like, it was not, like, some scenic location. So you think they were dragged out? So the police, I mean, it, like, at first were like, oh, maybe they got out of the car on their own accord and went to some location yeah. where they met with danger. Um, but I think then later they were able to, they started to be like, oh, I don't think that happened just because it's, like, it doesn't really seem plausible that you would get out of your car and go walk along these rocks without shoes. So maybe they were, like, coerced out, or maybe they were, yeah, maybe they were dragged out. Mm. Yeah. Um, so police looked into an individual in the area named, his, like, alias, I guess, was named Mr. Washington. That was, like, his code name, I, I don't know, that he went by. I don't know if that's, like, I don't know if that's... Okay, because when I was looking it up, I was like, is this is, like, you know how, like, people have, like, their, like, nickname? I don't know if that was a nickname or his last name was Washington, and in the reports, they were just like, oh, Mr. Washington. Mm. Does that mean, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, they would call you, like, Miss Fernandez. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know if that was his code name. It seemed to be, like, his code name. Like, that was, like, what he yes, was by. because they know? probably don't want people to know, like, who was questioned. They don't want other yeah. people to harass them if they had nothing to do with it. Yeah. I don't know. So, well, whatever. They called him Mr. Washington. I was like, that's so weird. But anyway, he was like a drug dealer in the area. Nothing like big. Like it wasn't, this was not like a, a super, I guess, high performing drug deal operation going on. Like it was more like just people would deal drugs like by themselves. But it wasn't like a whole, I don't know. 
syndicate crime syndicate of like drug dealing you know mm-hmm. he was just like he just dealt drugs like by himself so he's they said that they looked into him because he had wanted to hook up with robin at one point but she had turned him down and allegedly this make, made him really angry um and so the theory goes i guess that this look the truck was found in the location where it was a popular area to meet up to sell drugs like this whole area was kind of like i said you go there because you don't want people to see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So people would meet there to, like, sell drugs. Yeah. People would meet there to, like, give things to each other that they didn't really want to do in a lit area. So they said that maybe um, Robin asked him to sell her drugs. Like, she was like, oh, can I buy some weed off of you? Meet me in this area. She went and met up with him, and he saw he- that she was with David. And he was kind of like, oh, well, you wouldn't hook up with me, but you would get with this guy. Mm. So he was angry enough that... Um, he killed both of them. Okay. So, they didn't really find any evidence to found, find, to, like, link him to the scene. Um, but it was kind of, like, interesting because they looked for somebody that could either verify or deny his presence at the scene. So, they weren't able to find any fingerprints, any DNA, anything. But they were like, okay, well, we need to look for somebody that could either place him there or say, no, I was with him that night not there yeah so they started talking to an individual that like kind of worked with him and his drug dealing operation kind of thing (laughs) um they said he was really really scared of washington like he was really nervous of what he would do to him and so it took a long time for police to get any information out of him at all but as soon as he began to share anything like not anything important like literally just like the very bare bones like they got the very whatever like started to share anything at all uh police found this man dead on railroad tracks (gasps) so there was no evidence of foul play they couldn't find anything that suggested he had been like killed before that or had been tied down or anything um and now there was literally no possibility to link washington to the double murder oh my god yeah so they like weren't able to do anything about it and just kind of ended there Wait, so you said they didn't think anybody did it to him? Well, they just couldn't prove it. And they couldn't, they can't, like, really pin it on somebody if there's, like, no, I guess, evidence that suggests otherwise. Like, because you could argue, well, maybe this person, like, threw himself in front of the train tracks, you know? Like, then it wouldn't be anybody's fault. So, but it is interesting, as soon as he started to share information about this, Mm -hmm. this guy... He ended up dead. Wow. Um, so David's family told police they came up with this theory on their own because at this point they're really not connecting this murder to the one that had already happened. Um, because it was in the same on the same parkway, like it was on the same stretch of highway, but it's like being on the same stretch of highway, not in the same area, if that makes sense. It's like it would be like if somebody was like the i-10 murders you know like you're murdered like on the same mm, parkway but it's not like in the exact the same, same area. area so they're not they're not making any connections to the case before so completely on their own david's family told police that they believed david's killer was somebody of authority and they said mm. that the only way david would have pulled over for somebody or gotten out of his car or rolled down his window was like in this random location was for a policeman or somebody who believed to be in charge. And the connection between both of these 
um, incidents is that they're both found with their wallet on in their car in a very accessible location, kind of like in the front seat, almost on the dashboard, almost on the side table. Yeah, like so almost if, like placed there. Right. So if you're thinking about what happens if you get pulled over by a policeman, the first thing they ask you to do is take out your license and registration, which most people carry their license in their wallet. Yeah. So if you're being pulled over by a policeman and stopped maybe you would pull out your wallet Mm -hmm. and be like, okay, well, I'm going to leave it, like, I'm going to take out my wallet to show them my license, and then if this policeman ordered you to get out of the car, you would probably leave your wallet there. You believe that this policeman is in charge and is not going to hurt you, and that that's how they believe something bad might have happened. Yeah. Because nothing was stolen out of this wallet. It was just there. Um... So police obviously looked into people again in the area. Nobody's targeted as a plausible lead. The same kind of thing. Maybe it's not a policeman. Maybe it's somebody who's pretending to be one. Like maybe it's somebody that has a fake badge or whatnot. But again, that's really hard to find. Like that's really hard to like, you can't even begin to track down like people who have fake things, you know? Like yeah. it's just, it's really difficult to find. Almost until like after you catch somebody, I feel like that's, more when they figure out people had fake police badges. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that, I feel like that happened in a couple cases that I've listened to, that they found out people were able to, like, kidnap or harm people because they had a fake police badge, but it was, like, that was only found after they were caught. Like, that didn't help them finding the person, you know? Yeah, so do you think this person just walked up to them, or did they have, like, a police car as well? They don't know. Mm-hmm. But they... They have no idea. Like, they were never able to kind of make a connection. But David's family believes that he would not have stopped the car unless it was for somebody he thought was going to be in charge. Yeah, because it's all making sense now, the whole wallet thing. Right. Yeah, and then even just their families pointing it out without having that connection Mm -hmm. there. I feel like that says something. Yeah. So they had a couple other leads, but they didn't really, like go anywhere so one of them was that a 28 year old dishwasher called in a tip like to a police hotline and he said he saw the individuals in the car he saw them park there he saw them get out and go for a walk and then he heard gunshots and he ran away um and then they like went and interviewed him and his story changed like a lot of times and police could not like corroborate any of it so they were like okay well where were you and he's like oh well i was in this place and they're like well yesterday you said you were somewhere else mm. so so they just want to be involved yeah so, so they they thought for a bit that he could have had something to do with it like maybe he was part of it and he just wanted to like i don't know like he wanted to insert himself into the investigation but like nothing tied him to the location and i think they just kind of decided like this guy's just crazy like he just wants to be <laughs> part of this whole thing like he doesn't like want to be like he's just crazy yeah so like i said these two murders happened not in the same location they're about 20 miles apart like down this road so the connections were not being made between the deaths of the couples just yet nobody was piecing it together it was two separate police forces you would think that it's like oh like they have these murders happening you know in like the same general area within, like, a year of each other, you would think that you would make that connection, but they didn't, really. They were just like, oh, it's just, like, totally random. Like, I mean, I think they knew of the other murders. Like, they knew that it they had happened. Yeah, they just didn't think but it was related. But they didn't, like, put them together. Yeah. So they are just, I think they were like, it was just, like... Yeah, like, just, like, listening or, like, hearing about them, because one of them was, like, gunshot wounds and the other right. one was... 
very different. So yeah, yeah, and it's like the even the people they were targeting were so different. Yeah, the like people. I mean, the only connection is like they were all white, but like it's like there two of them were women. They were in a lesbian relationship. Mm-hmm. Like that, might, that immediately presents itself as one kind of mo. Yeah, and then the other one was a man and a kid. Like they're just very different. I think people that they were targeting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I do get how they weren't like necessarily connect them. But the next death was came about six months later. Started to piece together the two murders and link them to more. But we'll talk about those in part two. So we have like two right. more, I guess, pairs of victims. Wow, that's crazy. Did they piece them together the third time? Yes, the third time okay. that. Like, the third victims that they found, then they were being... Then, I think it kind of, like, all started to come together to them. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. So, that is the end of part one. Wow. Why did you do this to us? <laughs> well, you only have part two. I'm going to be two. thinking about it all week. I know. And it's unsolved. So, it's, like... Yeah, <laughs> even worse. Like, then you, like, never ever able... Are ever able to, like, get closure on anything. Is it, do you know if it's still ongoing? Like, are they... I don't know. I think it's just, like, I mean, obviously, I think it's still, like, technically, like, it's open, but it's, like, not... Like, nothing recent has come in, like, any new developments? Probably not. Unfortunately not. So, that is that. But thank you for listening. Thank you.